Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome to On the Bench. I'm your host for today's episode, Brendan Sinone, joined by the Zach Walstein. Zach, what up? What up? What is up? Chris Nee? Hello. <laughs> I like that. Very gentle of you. You're a genteel gentleman. So for today's episode, I always say it's a loaded episode. This one feels more loaded than usual. There's going to be a ton of recruiting stuff. We got Byer Sinone, sponsored by the Turner Group. Uh, predictions for a matchup against number five Clemson as well. Uh, but first, let's get to some team news, updates, whatnot, get you started with that. Uh, injuries, what we can talk about. The latest on Sean Ward, uh, he left Saturday's loss against NC State with an apparent upper arm injury. There was a picture of him that he posted on Instagram, seemingly in hospital bed. Uh, Chris, what's the latest with Sean per Coach Norvell? Ward posted that picture on Monday. It was coinciding pretty much with the Norvell press conference on Monday. Um, that was obviously further evaluation. And from what Norvell said, I believe he said no surgery required, which is a good sign. Didn't really give a timetable. That's pretty much the norm there. But it does not sound like it's considered season ending. Obviously, it depends on how many weeks it will take to heal appropriately for him to return to the field to determine whether or not he would be able to make it back before the season concludes. Because that's only, what, seven weeks away at this point. Guys, I don't think it happened. In, there's so much that happened in Saturday's game against NC State. But, like, I think it really kind of deserved to, like, park the bus a little bit and talk about this. Like, missing Trayshawn for that second half was huge. You, you forget yeah. just – we know he's an efficient runner, but just how good he is at getting back to the line of scrimmage. Uh, that was that was missed, and someone's going to have to to step up in his place this week. Yeah, it definitely was. The running game, I mean, the entire offense stalled out. So it's not like it was solely the running game or the passing game. They both stalled out in that second half. But I think the thing about Ward is that if you keep giving him at-bats, which FSU is pretty good at being him being the consumer of the most at-bats at the running back position, he usually tends to make things happen as he gets more and more at-bats. And he's just a guy that runs super determined, and he'll make people miss. And when the blocking isn't very good in front of him, he can still create things. And he's probably the best in that room currently at doing that. And, yeah, they certainly missed him. And it did not feel like in that game that either Toa Philly, who did have one or two good runs in the game, but in general it didn't feel like he got going. Trey Benson certainly it didn't feel like he got going. Uh, you know, he also got knocked a little bit, it seemed, at the end of the game himself. Yeah, he got that targeting penalty, or he didn't get the penalty. Someone hit him in the helmet. And it was a targeting penalty. I don't think he returned after that. And I know it was so, there, there was so much again that happened that that didn't really get focused on. But uh, that, that makes things interesting that for this week with, uh, with the running back group, and you know, obviously you're going against a pretty elite run defense in Clemson. Zach, I will let you uh, gush about your boy for a little bit. And just in general, I guess, what are you looking at from the running backs this week? Who needs to step up for the Seminoles? Well, it would help if you were unmuted. Nicely done. 
Who thought the young guy would be the one struggling with the mute on the Zoom? I've been busy breaking news on the podcast. Um, so uh, for the running back room, I think that the first guy you need to step is step up is Lawrence Toffoli. He's the the most tenured guy in that room. Um, you know, aside from um, Benson, but you know, at FSU, he's the most tenured guy that that's healthy right now. So I think that he needs to step up. Um, we've seen flashes from him this season, obviously uh, last season as well. Um, but we need to see the consistency. Um, that would be huge for Florida State, especially in this game. They had a really awesome performance on that crazy run against Clemson last year. Um, having a, a, that kind of performance again would be massive. Um, but but yeah, I'm going to gush about my guy, Rodney Hill. Um, you know, all the coaches have been talking about him, all the players. Like he, he's seen, um, you know, just his play has kind of elevated his his role on this team this year. Obviously, some of that's due to injury. Um, but, but Ronnie Hill is a really explosive running back. I really love the way he runs, um, kind of excites all of us when we're at practice and we just get to see him hit the hole, um, and, and, and just explode. So I, I think that he is, dude, I knew you were going to say that. Um, I, I think that he's kind of an X factor, right? Like you don't have teams don't have film on him. Um, you know, they'd have to go back to his high school film if they were projecting him to play. Um, and, and I think that's kind of an advantage for Florida State, especially in a matchup like this, where um, you're going against one of the best run defenses in the country, if not the best. Um, so, yeah, definitely those two guys need to step up. Um, and then if you move a guy like Ja'Kai Douglas um, into the backfield, um, which, you know, we've known Mike Norvell to do in his past, um, then, then he's another guy that you can mention and maybe even Josh Burrell. Let's talk about Ja'Kai Douglas real quick. Chris, I'll throw this to you because he's someone who's been discussed this week, and we know that Ja'Kai, one, has not played yet this season, uh, but he was on the depth chart at the start of the week. And then, two, uh, to Zach's point, he's been a movable piece throughout his career. So what did we see from Ja'Kai this this week in practice, and what's been discussed about him to date? We've seen fresh legs. I mean, he's a guy who looks fresh in comparison to a lot of his teammates who are banged and bruised and been going through it for the last half dozen weeks. Um, Ja'Kai is a guy that I, I wholeheartedly, I mean, Mike Norvell said on Tuesday that he's cleared, he's good to go. He's going to play. He's ready to go. He was very close last week. Um, and now he's back, but yeah, he brings a ton to the table because he is an elusive back in the sense of a running back who cannot make things happen in space, catches it well at a backfield, or you can use him as a slot receiver, receiver type, and he's good down the field. We've seen him hit some big plays in his career here. I think it's a good addition for FSU. I think it's versatility, obviously, is sort of one that very much fits what Mike Norvell wants his off- offense to ultimately ultimately evolve to being. So, uh, yeah, I think it's an important addition. And I'll just add on Rodney Hill. I was surprised he didn't play last week. He he was super yeah. involved in last week's uh, practices. Um, you know, the rep count in practice seemed to be drastically increased for the young man, and he performed well, and he earned the praise that I think a majority of the beat gave him. Mike Norvell showered upon him. So I feel like he's he's super close. I'm honestly amazed I didn't see him play at Carter Finley at all last week. I thought he was going to get a little burn, especially after Trayshawn got banged up. I thought we might see him. I think some of that was the offense stalling out in a limited limited amount of plays. They ultimately ran in the second half because of the inability to sustain drives. That probably played a role. When you only run, what, 58 plays in a game, it's tough to maybe rotate as you would like to, as you intended mm-hmm. to, walking through the door. But, yeah, both guys, I think, are the types that can – uh you're going against a team that only allows like 62 rushing yards per game. Number two in the country in rushing defense is what Clemson is. Their defensive front is well-documented how freaking talented it is and how deep it is. 
And, you know, their linebackers are pretty good. I don't think they're as good as last week's group, which is probably the best in the league as far as across-the-board starter types. But Barrett Carter is a hell of a football player. He's a kid that FSU recruiting. He's a heck, a heck, a heck of a player, as is Simpson for them. He's not a very talented linebacker. So it's going to be a challenge for running backs in this game to produce. I think the more you can throw at them, the versatility you can use, the ability to maybe get them off balance with some, you know, tosses or passes out of backfield to a running back or a guy you can line up in the slot, which we know Toa Philly can. We know Douglas can. I certainly think Hill is capable of that too. You might do a little bit of that just to maybe get Clemson off balance, kind of play some mind games with their defense and see if you get an opportunity to get a mismatch that you can exploit. Those guys coming back specifically, Hill being potentially available and Douglas obviously being healthy. I, I just think it brings a little bit of an extra dynamic that maybe they use to try to exploit here or there with spot play duty. And sticking on the offensive side of the ball, and this will apply to the run game, uh, the offensive line is as healthy as it's been in a long time. Alex Atkins talked about how Robert Scott performed against NC State, and there were some really good moments, and there were some times later in the game where you could tell he hadn't played in a little bit and was going through some things. But he came out of the game fine is what Atkins said and I think that's the important part is there wasn't a setback from playing a full game he played every single snap at left tackle so that's a really good sign that you're able to get him back in the swing of things for another week uh that'll be sizable sticking with offense let's talk about Jordan Travis uh, Dane made this point I don't even know if he said it on the podcast but he talked about it after the game and I thought it was a really good one it was something that that I'd observed but Dane articulated in a way that was quite poignant and that's basically Jordan hasn't looked like he's having fun the last two weeks. And when Jordan is at his best, I think this is for most people, most facets of life. Like if you're enjoying what you're doing, that's showing that you're enjoying it and you're smiling and having fun. Like I think good things are going to happen. And I don't know if it's a chicken or the egg type of deal of, of maybe pressing a little bit and good things not happening or good things not happening early at a certain point in the game. And then you're not having fun. But I mean, I think that's going to be such a big part for FSU to have a chance this week is for Jordan to be free relaxed, loose, just go out there and enjoy himself. Did we see that at practice this week? What, what are our thoughts on like where Jordan is right now? We spoke to him for a little bit yesterday. That's just, that's a part of this, this projecting this game that I, I don't think we can gloss over. I didn't think he practiced poorly by any stretch. I thought he was good in practice, but I, I think there is a bit of frustration in the system for him right now. Uh, you know, and it makes sense. Wake Forest first half offense wasn't very good. Obviously, got going second half and did some things. NC State, the offense had a decent first half, but there were a lot of drop balls in that. There were a lot of missed opportunities. Some of them are directly on Jordan Travis as quarterback, as the guy who touched the ball on every single play. Some of that's going to fall on his shoulders, and he understands that. He knows that. But there were other parts that are out of his control, well-thrown passes that are dropped that could have been key plays, sustained drives, things of that sort or penalties that he did not commit that, you know, spoiled their opportunity to have winnable down. So I think it's a frustration built from the fact that they are struggling to some degree offensively. They have not been very good rhythm wise offensively the last couple games, and they just haven't been able to kind of get on a roll and feel like, man, they got the defense on their heels with what they're trying to do. I think back to the LSU game, and I know that was somewhat a, somewhat a surprise attack nationally with Jordan using his arm and what he was able to do. But it felt like FSU was the aggressor, dictated, to take a term that the coaches used a lot last week prior to NC State. They dictated terms a lot in that game. I don't feel like that has happened very much the last two weeks. And I think Jordan's at his best when that is happening because it allows him to get going both as a passer 
And last week, as we saw with the 71-yard run and some other scrambles for 100 yards on the day, with his legs as well. And, you know, that's got to be there for them to beat Clemson. They got to have good version of Jordan Travis, but it also means the offense has to be at its best. Receivers have to catch the ball. They can't set themselves up behind the chains. The O-line has to block as effectively as possible. There has to be some form or fashion of a rushing attack, even if it's not ultra successful, just to keep the defense off balance and honest. When you say frustration in the system at, at the start of that, Chris, uh, I think just maybe elaborate. You're not saying he's mad at the scheme. No, no, no. You're, so you're talking about like noise. The in the I, I don't. I'm not playing into the whole. Do is there some friction between him? And, I don't think that exists. No, I think it's frustration in the system in the sense of the offensive players executing what they're being asked to do, including himself. I'm not excusing him from this conversation, but it's not solely on him by any stretch of the imagination. I, I think it's just a matter of like he knows what the offense is capable of being, what they practice to look like, what they want to be, what they're trying to be, and when they're not quite there and they're losing because of it in part, that's the frustration in the system. The the inefficiency of the offense the last couple of weeks has been a massive reason why they've lost two games that they truly had an opportunity to win, especially this past week. And I think that weighs on him. He cares a great deal. He's at the point where it is his team, it is his offense. It is his to go do as he wants to go do. When they win, he's at the forefront of being viewed as a big reason why they win. When they lose, he's going to be discussed as an individual that played a key component in potentially why they lost. That's just that position. It's what comes with it. I think his uh, some of the emotions people are reading, things they're seeing, frustration he shows on the sideline in those competitive moments. I think that's what it all boils down to. I don't think it's something deeper or some major concern for the program going forward. Personally, I think he's more serious now than I've seen him in a while. Um, like his tone is just different, especially in interviews. Like before the season, first couple of weeks, kind of laid back, um, you know, fun, lighthearted. Now it's like very serious to the point. Um, you know, some of that just comes with, with frustration of losing, uh, which, you know, he's been through a lot of that here. So he knows that feeling. Um, so I'm not faulting him. But but yeah, I think he needs to get back to, to having a little bit more fun um with the game of football and that's something that's not easy to do um especially with all the frustrations that showed up against nc state across this entire team um just so so many miscues so many errors that that ultimately cost them the game um it's hard to to walk out of that stadium and be you know joyful and happy and and like like your usual self um you know just me like watching the game uh mostly objectively like it was not a fun game to watch. I can't imagine being a player or even, you know, Jordan himself um, thinking about that last throw um, all week. So um, I'm not faulting him, but but yeah, definitely definitely need to see him um, in this offense click better as far as everyone being on the same page and everyone doing their jobs, like Chris mentioned. What's the Shakespeare quote? Heavy is the head that wears a that lies a crown. What is it? Am I asking the wrong group here? Uh, let me look it up. I was not a big fan of crown. Billy Shakespeare personally. He shaped the head that wears the crown. You know, there's something that comes with winning uh, that expectations get shifted. And, and that's been a narrative this week. And some of that I think is overblown, but some of it is a little bit of a pattern. Uh, Dan and I talked about that on the, on the Monday po- podcast is like, you know, when you start, when things shift a little bit and you're not in the same role you were before, that takes an adjustment. And that doesn't mean you're going to always be bad at it, but you have Florida State starting 4-0. We saw them press against Wake Forest. They were 
tighter than usual. They weren't playing loose and, and whatnot. And we saw that start off that way against NC State, where they were kind of that, you know, they were an underdog and you know, road road team, um, hostile environment, and they go out and they have fun. And One thing I'll sudden, add on this subject. I'm sorry, I thought you were done. No, I paused, but it, it's fine. Basically, they, they they need to they need to play with house money, and that's where this program currently is at its best. And, and I think that bodes well for Jordan against Clemson. Go ahead, Chris. FSU offensively tries not to be tendency based because that would make game planning for them very easy. But I think there is a degree of the film that is out there for them from their first three four games has played an element. And going against competitive teams, good defense in NC State, a competitive defense in Wake Forest that has taken away some of the things that were their bread and butter kind of out of the gate, which is perfectly normal. The issue for FSU is when they've had to veer away from that and do other things, they've been, again, inefficient in doing some of that. And I think some of that is the issue that's plaguing the offense. And Jordan's going to take it to heart. It's his offense. That's a good point. That makes sense. And that's, again, a burden with leadership, with expectations, that, that kind of falls into that. And that's unchar- uncharted territory for him. Uh, expecting it, for us to have an expectation that it would be handled swimmingly, maybe in hindsight, was not fair. And that's not even say it's been a poor expectation, because honestly, like he, he was good for long stretches against Wake Forest. His numbers were fine. His numbers, if his wide receivers catch the ball even moderately fine against NC State, look completely different. Uh, metrics from the week would, would tell you as much from different outlets. And so I don't want to get it too much into the weeds. We can move on here with, with Jordan Travis. It is just this offense goes as he goes, his team goes as he goes, and you need him to to be the tone setter, not the guy who's adapting to the tone around them, which I think we saw at times against NC State. Uh, one thing that'll help out, just alluded to it, wide receivers catching the ball would be really good. They had five drops against NC State. Us being at every single practice, like we know like that, that existed. That game existed. I think Chris and I had said back in the preseason, when this, when these wide receivers are catching the ball at a high level and doing special things, like this entire offense just completely opens up. And and to the point through the first four or five games of the season, they were doing that at a really high level and making plays. Then it all just kind of, in game six, it was a worst case scenario where just kind of one drop after another after another, or just not making some contested catches. I will say this. This week was really, really good from a practice standpoint for the wide receivers. Johnny Wilson came to play. Uh, Pokey had a good week. Michael was really good at making tough contested catches. Zach, did, did you like what you saw from the wide receiver group this week? Yeah, and another guy I would mention is Malik McLean. Um, Ja'Kai Douglas kind of working uh, was really impressive to me. Uh, kind of unlocks an aspect of this offense that I, that I really enjoy. Um, kind of missed him being on the field, uh, you know, for the first six weeks. So, Definitely like him. Um, but, yeah, it was definitely a bounce-back week for them after a not-so-great performance against NC State. Um, didn't see a lot – you know, a lot of balls hit the ground. So, um, you know, I'm encouraged. They, they got to continue that, obviously, the rest of the week and into Saturday. On the other side of the ball, uh, just some some quick updates. You know, Robert Cooper left the game early on. I think he only played three snaps against NC State. Such a yeah. tough – like, <laughs> Robert Cooper misses almost the entire game. Fabian Lovett doesn't play. Jared Jackson doesn't play the entire game. And people Malcolm get mad. He's been banged up since Louisville. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that group as a whole is banged Dennis Briggs has basically slid inside a predominant yeah. amount of time because of this. And Patrick Payton emerging has helped. 
And yeah, Patrick Payton's been really good. Uh, he just keeps getting better. Leonard Warner has been a really pleasant surprise yep. this season. Uh, he's been very solid and people kind of raised an eyebrow when he came back for another year, but I don't know where this defense would be without him right now. Like grandpa uh, steady Eddie. Yep. He's been really, he's been really good. He actually makes some splash plays. So he allows you to move down his brinks inside and has allowed the defense to remain competent the last couple of weeks when uh, it very well could have fallen off like the, the face of the map there. So uh, anyways, Robert Cooper raced against Mike Norvell both days this week. Saw that running in full pads. It's a pretty good sign. Uh, people asking about Fabian Lovett. I, I don't have an update there. I didn't want to pose this question to you guys. It's kind of a hypothetical of like, if you're Florida State, would you trade getting Fabian back this week against Clemson and then you're not sure entirely what happens the rest of the way with, with him playing and win-loss stuff, whatnot? You just kind of roll the dice and see what happens with with having them, or would you say no, Fabian? Uh, pack it in, don't play against Clemson by week, and then a hundred percent chance that he plays at a hundred percent the remainder of the season. I'm what, never what a pack it in guy. I just can't do it in my heart of hearts. You can't be a pack it in guy. You you have a chance to win any and every game you ever take the field for, no matter how good the opponent is and where you stand. It doesn't matter. You go and you try to play your best day. See how they play. Maybe they have an off day. Give yourself a chance to win. Yeah. Obviously, Fabo needs to play when Fabo is healthy. It matters long term for that young man beyond just what it is for FSU this year. I'm I'm going with the latter. I, I think they I would take him being 100% healthy for the remaining of the games besides Clemson. Because even with him playing, I don't think you have a good shot at beating Clemson. Um, so I don't see the issue and just having him 100% if you had that option. Um, I'm, I'm not saying that's going to be the case, but if I had that option, I'd definitely take the latter. No, it's just obviously a hypothetical. But yeah, I think if you could somehow get Fabian for guaranteed all five games remaining the back half of the season and what, what those games are all very winnable, I would personally take take that. But anyways, that's that's not here nor there. Uh, anything on, on the, the defense? I was just going to add on the love it subject. I think what it has shown to us since the LSU injury is that Fabian's stats are, they're good, but Fabian's impact is monumental. What he does for the uh, guys up front, what he does for the linebackers, it's so key. And there's nobody that can fill that void. And it, it's hurt Robert Cooper's play because Coop, what Cooper does plays off of what Fabian Lovett does so much. Plus, I don't think Cooper's been particularly all that healthy you know i think most as we said most of those guys up front i think have been banged up in some form or fashion here in the uh, first half of the schedule yeah I, I don't know how people can acknowledge what you just acknowledged chris this isn't you i'm just like it's this narrative of like baby and love it not playing for most of the season robert cooper not playing at 100 percent. jamie robinson has to leave every game for a little bit here or there the defense attack was right no J- jamie gets has like it's laid up once or twice a game. I thought Jamie played back. like every snap in three of six games. Somewhere. I think he left for like a couple plays. Anyways, okay. he's someone who needs like a lot of attention. Uh, my point being is that you have a good chunk of the heart of your defense, not at a hundred percent. The defense is a top 25 defense and people are trying to dump on the defensive coaching staff. It's just, it's not a good faith argument. Anyways, uh, that's a, that's a rant. Well, I, let's have a little fun with this one. Okay. I okay. admittedly, I think I have stated this on the podcast. I definitely have posted it before. I'm not in love with the current FSU defense. You don't, don't like the way bad. they play. You don't like the, the... – don't, They don't produce enough turnovers to beat a bend-don't-break version of themselves. Takeaways. You can't allow a team to be on the field. Yeah, takeaways. You're correct. Thank you, Adam Fuller, Jr. 
you get you can't be on the field constantly and never get off it without a takeaway. It just doesn't work long term. You know, the the opening drive of the second half of the last two weeks has been very concerning. It's just bad to come out of the locker room and play that poorly. And there's reasons, and I think they are differing for the two drives. Uh, this past week, for example, a handful of missed tackles on that drive, just a particularly bad job of kind of cleaning it up in the middle, um, which they did a very good job of outside of that one drive the rest of the game. So I don't think the defense is bad by any stretch. I'm not here campaigning to fire Adam Fuller. Uh, I actually like Adam Fuller. I know that's hearsay for some, but I, I think the guy's a pretty good football mind, and I like him personally. Um, I just I, I wish that group dictated things, created more chaos, I guess is the best way of putting it. I feel like that group is very much anti-chaos versus actually creating chaos, and well, I'm just a guy that wishes you could see some chaos. So, so two things. One, because I don't want – I think sometimes when we have polar – views on something that there's not a like a middle ground like i i'm with you like the first half or sorry the the first drive of the last two games in the second half like like that can't happen like you got to make sure your guys are out ready to play like that that criticism deserved but you mentioned chaos you know what helps with chaos chris having guys who create chaos and havoc at the line of scrimmage you know who they don't have Baby, I love it. Your number one habit creator and Jared Verse not at a hundred percent for. About I would say Verse is your number one habit creator, and he hasn't been a hundred percent. But Fabian, no, like yeah. tossing hey. guys around. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my, I mean, my point, Bead, is that we're trying to make a judgment on this coaching staff without like what would we be saying about the offensive side of the ball, which hasn't been particularly good the last couple of weeks for full stretches of I'm game. Not, I'm not. Jordan any Travis full wasn't playing. On- I'm not making any full judgments on the coach. I know you're staff. not. I'm, I'm not hiring or firing people six games into a season. I just I know you're stupid not. at this point. I just the defense kind of as I watch it week in week out. I don't think they're bad. I don't think they're great. I think they're good and capable. I just wish they were doing more. And I'm sure the staff and the players wish they were getting more takeaways. That's the key. If you get more takeaways, you can play the version of style that they're playing. You just got to create more opportunities for your offense and take it away. You can't allow sustained drives constantly. And there's been too many lengthy drives run on FSU. Not all of them have produced seven points, obviously. Mm-hmm. Wake Forest, 18 plays, three yard or three points. But you got to have more instances where you just get off the field, especially I, down I, the stretch in games. I agree with that. If you're going to play the bend but don't break style of defense, there, there are too many touchdowns being allowed at the end of drives. Uh, NC State kind of. Uh, not the best example of that because you force them to kick a lot of field goals with with offense and special teams set you up in a bad spot and, and not playing complimentary football. But yeah, what you're talking about is more of a stylistic thing, Chris. I think than anything, right? It's like it's just not yes. your it's not your cup of tea necessarily. Um, but I just I just say, I think there's a, a segment of the fan base that's like okay, I think the defense can be better. Sure, like should it be a, a top twenty or fifteen defense? All right, I'm here to listen to that. But it's a top twenty five defense right now top 30 without arguably its best player for almost the majority of the season and with other key players far from 100% for a good chunk of the year. I would also argue the defense has hid some of their weaknesses pretty well on the year. And I think that the secondary, for example, your cornerbacks have been pretty subpar. Like Amorian Cooper has not been what he was in the last year. And there's, I think a variety of reasons for that, but he hasn't been himself and You've had to work around that. That's a premium position, and you're not getting premium play at a at a really important spot. All right, sorry that was a that was a detour. Let's get to buy for Sinone, presented by the Turner Group. 
Uh, Byers to the Turner Group will sell more homes this year than ACC officials will throw flags on FSU for Phantom Cup walks on Saturday against Clemson. I will that's buy that. One. That's a tough one, but I'm going to buy. Uh, the Turner Group is a local real estate company based in Central Florida. Colin and Amy are both FSU grads. They're Knowles, and they are basically providing a boutique, hands-on experience for buyers or sellers of homes in the Central Florida area, but throughout the entire state, truly, because they're under the Keller Williams umbrella. And, and if you're looking to buy or sell a home, and I understand that's a daunting process, having gone through that a couple of years ago myself, uh, it could be it could be frustrating. It could be, if you've never done it before, scary. Go to people who are going to be able to take all your calls, that are going to be responsive, that are going to work hard for you, and they're going to have a network of, of resources to rely on if things don't go smoothly at some point. Uh, and that's what Colin and Amy are able to do. Uh, you can reach out to Colin at 407-403-8546. You can email him at get started at the Turner Group. Make sure to mention on the bench no matter what. Uh, and the easiest way to do it, guys, is just Google the Turner Group. It'll come up right away. You'll see a bunch of five-star reviews. And uh, and even if you're just looking for advice, if you're in the state of Florida looking for advice of buying a home, trying to get an idea of like what the market's like right now, just reach out to Colin and he will get back to you extremely quickly. I promise that. Let him know we sent you. And uh, and thank him for making Buyer Sonone possible because there are some times where I don't feel like playing Buyer Sonone and, uh, and we're now incentivized to do so, which is awesome. And it's actually been fun the last couple of weeks uh, on this Thursday, kind of breaking up the monotony of the week. So let's get into it. This comes from J-Rod31. Buyer Sonone, Florida State offense will consist of this makeup in 2023. Quarterback Jordan Travis, running back Treshawn Ward, Trey Benson, Rodney Hill, wide receiver Jordan Wilson, or sorry, Johnny Wilson, Micah Pittman, Span, Malik McClain, and Winston Wright. Uh, right off the bat, that's a self for me. I, I think you miss probably one or two of those guys at the very least. Move on. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably falling in the same boat. I just, yeah. Roster change turnover is just so rampant these days between going pro early or to portal that yeah somebody probably is gone from that group uh brennan why did you say sell Sinone, i know i was gonna correct myself I it's your to... name buyer Sinone, sponsored by the turner group apparently it's buyer sell um contract, I'm contract is signed colin you're you're in it for the long count now buddy <laughs> i'm synoning it all right speaking of screwing things up uh, Seminole fan 94 says Boston FSU will lose every remaining game on the schedule besides UL and Georgia, Georgia tech. Good job. You tried. It's Byers Sinone, not Boston or Byers Sinone. That I think FSU <laughs> yeah. has pretty comparable success in the back half of their schedule to what they had in the front half of their schedule. I'm with you, Chris. Yeah. Coach. Oh, go ahead, Zach. No, I agree. I think they'll probably win three or four games out of their back half. Coach Nike Morvell has a couple here. First, Byer Sinone. Rodney Hill finishes the season with 500-plus rushing yards. Uh, Sinone, that, that's a lot. And yeah, Sinone. We all love team. the guy, and we've talked a lot about him, especially in comparison to reps in recent weeks. But I still think, at best, he's a spot-duty guy right now, barring another injury in that room, potentially thinning it out further. Yeah, Sinone, no way. <laughs> By or Sinone. My guy, but no way. Yeah. Hesitation kills Zach. <laughs> Byers Sinone, 
Mike Norvell would knock Dabo out in a boxing match. Bye. Oh, 100% bye. Nor- Dude, Norvell's been getting spoiler, I feel like. No? Uh, he... He he seems like you know how offensive linemen will go into camp maybe like ten pounds over and then just like no they're going to be moving around a lot and getting the ideal shape. I think that's what we see with Mike. I think he came in knowing like I'm going to be he busted busted my butt the next couple months and like he came in and he just got got fierce pretty quick. I'm going to give Dabo a little credit here, not in a physical sense, but I think he would play the smart man's game and. Uh, rope a dope a little bit and get under those ropes and away from punches and you know dance for 12 rounds. Uh, never mind, I'm not gonna say what I wanted to say. <laughs> Fire Sinone, this is from Doc White, our resident optimist. Julian Armella starts at offensive tackle before the season is over. Mm, you know what? It's a long season still. Five games remaining. No, six, six games remaining. We're at the half yes, point. Yes, they're four and two. That's Thanks, six. Chris. Sorry, Colin. Contract signed. <laughs> buy or Snone. I will buy. I think we'll see Armella at some point. He's been playing better. And I think just if injuries, I mean, it only takes one more to offensive tackle to potentially like allow that to occur. So I'll go with a buy for Armella starting a game before the season is over. Well, an injury would probably put Darius Washington back into that role right now, uh, even though that did not go very well two games ago. I'm Snone for guard right went now. Well for- for him too. I he did. He well did a much guard. better job at guard last week, splitting time with Meech. Mm-hmm. Sorry, but what was your answer? Sononi. Okay. For now, he sold. He sold. Um, I'm saying that uh, I'm going to buy that. Um, I think I, I'd be much. I don't want to say comfortable, but I think I, if it were my decision, I'd put Armella in instead of uh, Darius. She's like especially at one of the tackle spots, right? Like, I don't think Meech moves over um, and, and Darius slides inside. Like, I don't think Meech is a, a tackle for you. Um, so I think he's probably the next guy up um, if one of the tackles goes down. Armello was good on Tuesday. I thought he was great on Wednesday, to be totally honest. Like, he's he, he seems like he's coming into his own from a confidence standpoint. I don't want to gas up against a freshman too much, but in the one-on-ones, like, he was going up against other scholarship players and, he wasn't just holding his own guys. Like he was. He was smoking them. Let's not go that far. He's always competitive. That's by far the best trait about Julian. One, mm-hmm. he's competitive, and two, he just he he does absorb. Like he takes to coaching. He takes what his teammates are telling him. He is clearly a kid that wants to improve and get better. Norvell said that he he goes in every night and watches his own film, like in the the staff's offices, like every single day. You so, you guys- for a freshman, he has a very 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 good mindset. Um, the type that you want to see from a guy who the belief is has an extremely high ceiling. I'm I'm buying on him long term for sure. Like I, I think that, that you hit on that one. Even like his body language, you guys know I'm big into that. But like there was one point in practice yesterday, like he was play boxing with the scout team guy, like after a play, like he's loose and having fun. Uh, he was talking to the offensive lineman, put his arm around him. Like he's just, he's engaged, he's enjoying himself, he's bought into this process. And I think that's you know, sometimes when you're a true freshman, if you haven't been playing a lot midway through the season, it's easy for your concentration to wander a little bit and and not be totally making especially the most at, of every rep. Especially in at that position because you get crap beat out of you on a daily basis. And you know you're so far away. Like Mike talked about that the other day. Like It's really difficult for a trench player to play as a true freshman. Um, but he's remained engaged, and that's ultimately positive. Uh, these other two buyers and are from Doc White. Byers known. Brock Glenn is in the 23 class. I'm going to sonome that. 
for now. I mean, that's he's committed to Ohio State. That's going to be a tough, a tough road to haul. But you know, if you keep winning, I think that does. If you can win eight or nine this year, if Mike Norville gets a contract extension, that's a conversation. Ask us that in in a month and a half, Doc. I think is is what I would say. But for right now, that's that's a Sonon for me. I don't think that's likely at this point. I'm still Sononing on the quarterback position in this class, barring risingspear.com doing something in particular. Um, too, I, I still think it's too, probably a, too direct, I, Chris. I still think it's probably a portal class, personally. We gotta get, we gotta get Zach, we gotta work on Chris's subtlety. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna sit on that. I, I had to actually talked with Brock this week and he told me he does not have anything set up to visit Florida State. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen as of right now. Obviously, if FSU goes and wins, you know, wins out or something like that, I think they could create enough momentum to get to get a flip or something. But um, as of how I expect the season to go, not saying it's going to go, go poorly, but um, just on par for what I, my preseason expectations were, a little bit above that. I don't think that gives you enough momentum to go and flip an Ohio State quarterback commit. And finally, buyers to note: Adam Fuller is the defensive coordinator next year. Um, bye. Bye. I'm buying it for now. I I said it I, last time. I think I was on one of the podcasts. I don't expect drastic coaching changes around these parts. Mike has kept it very steady, consistently, and I think he believes in his group. The only way I see changes is guys leaving for other jobs, type of thing. Yeah. If if Adam were to move on, I think it would be for a head coaching job somewhere. Agent Coke, Byers, known Omer Graham being a starter next season. If Deloach and Bethune both go pro, Zach, I'll throw this to you. I'm trying to think of. Like if they if Deloach and um, Bethune go both go pro, you still have Lundy, um, and then who else is in that room? Gant and then Omar. Yeah, I guess maybe, but I think if both of them go pro, you have to get um, a portal. Yeah, you have to go portal because like Nicholson and and Demarco Ward are not going to be ready. Um, you know, they're true freshman year. Maybe Nicholson, but um, I don't think you know he's kind of he's a multi position guy he's got to kind of hone in on on just linebacker so i think it'll take some time um but yeah for now i'm going to sanone just because i think um you know oh like omar's a really good player um he'll definitely be in the rotation next year i don't know if he'll be a starter but that's my prediction well said by zach let me alter it a little bit this way because i think it's likely that deloach comes back i think it's likely that bethune more likely that he goes pro even though he has an extra year of eligibility uh would you be comfortable? Would you have to go in the portal next this offseason if you knew it was going to be Deloach, Lundy, Omar Graham, Brendan Gant, and then the two incoming freshmen? Would Would you be okay with that six man rotation as your linebacking group? I think you probably still look at the portal in that situation. I, I'd point to Sidney Williams getting moved to that position this year. It's just a de- a matter of depth. That's a position where you hit a lot. You use your arms a lot. You know, very easy to have a guy go down at that position. I mean, hell, it's football. It's pretty easy to go down at pretty much any position. But that's one that induces a lot of pain and also incurs a lot of pain. So I, I would I would go with probably you still need to play the portal game or at least another capable young body who you think would be able to help you next year if necessary. Also from Agent Coke, uh, buyers to know eight wins is the most likely outcome this season with nine being more likely than seven. So let's dissect that. I think eight to me is a buy. I think that's probably yes. the most likely yeah. still. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Um, I mean, nine would mean they have to go pretty much. I'm, 
spoiler alert, I'm skipping ahead a little bit. I'm probably picking Clemson today. What? Um, you would have to go perfect for the remainder of the season from that point. And that's just tough to ask from a team that hasn't yet reached the point of always being as consistent as they need to be. There are still capable enough teams down the stretch for FSU to drop another one. So I, I don't know that I feel like nine is more than seven. I feel like eight is the perfect number. Um, I really feel like nine and seven percentages are fairly comparable, but I'd probably lean more towards seven than nine. So I guess I'm, I'm synoning it. I'm with you. In the grand I'm scheme of the question. I'm synoning it with the exact same logic as you. What about you, Zach? Yeah, um, also known. I agree with Chris. Yeah, um, also known was a great. I'm doing my best Dane impression. Vecnud. <laughs> Byers to know, speaking of Dane, this is from Bad Bean. Dane makes better mac and cheese than Brendan. I don't know. Do we know? That's a buy. It's a low bar. <laughs> is mac and cheese like code for something else? Like what? That's what up? I thought. What he brewed up an Iron Daisy yesterday, or? <laughs> Byers to taking a 20 minute dump in public. Sedone. Sedone. Dane would buy that all day though. After saying he hated pooping. All right, all right, all right. All right. Enough Falcon Road, boys. <laughs> Parts trace. Bloom 24. Buyer or buyer sell. See, you guys are trying to screw me up. Buyer Sonone. <laughs> FSU will be in a different conference within the next five years. Bye. Get your shit together, ACC. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of the lights not being on. I'm sick of Flanagan coaching marquee games. Get it together. You mean officiating marquee games? What I say? Coaching. Whatever. <laughs> it's really Sorry, got you upset. Uh, I mean, they're trying their damnedest to get out of this thing. Um, yeah, it's a big old price tag. I'll just put it that way. I think for right now, I have to sanone unless somebody wants to drop, yeah, a lot of money. Risingspear.com. No, a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> But I heard FSU – no, okay. Um, I think I'm synoning that – wait, what was the time frame? Five, Five years. years. That's tough, man. I, I just don't know. Because FSU has a lot of money to to expend towards their own, you know, endeavors on their, their own university, obviously the football only, um, and just maintaining this football program and other athletic programs uh, with, within this department. So, yeah, I don't know. I – I think that's tough. I, I'd hope that happens, right? Like, I think FSU needs to get out of the ACC. Um, but five five year time frame makes me a little bit skeptical. Quick sidebar on this: uh, Yesterday, Jim Phillips, ACC commissioner, spoke at ACC basketball tip off. Did kind of his state of the ACC address, like he does before football media day as well. He talked on a number of subjects, full transcripts on the site if you want to read it. But he referenced Fishbait. For people that don't remember, Fishbait is a company the uh, ACC aligned with about creating new revenue streams, among other things. But mostly it's about revenue generation. That group, uh, the ACC, the ADs, they're all supposed to meet, I believe it's next Monday, to talk about some stuff. I am interested to see what comes out of that. Obviously, the revenue generation that they might generate is not going to close the gap that currently exists. But it will be interesting if they're maybe trying to be a little more aggressive and progressive with generating more money. So that, that is one little uh, piece of info to keep an eye on. I'm hoping to have a conversation to find out because Fishbait met with uh, every school in the league. I believe they stepped on every campus, met with ADs, I presume some presidents and chancellors as well. By Orsonone, 
This is from Broward Noel 15. This Clemson game is the biggest game of Norvell's tenure game. It's just the next game. I mean, I, I, it, if they win, it would be monumentally huge for them. It's a top five team. You know, they did that with UNC a couple years ago, but Clemson's a different beast than UNC. Um, I, it would have a nice recruiting impact because they're going to have a ton of guys through the door. Like, so you know, to some degree, there's a buy to that. But, like, at the same time, at this point, FSU just needs to stack as many victories as it can, show positive progress, keep getting better, keep improving the roster, keep trending in the right direction for where they need to go. It's a long-term deal. It's not a one-game validates that they're there or invalidates everything they've done to that point to me. I think it would be the biggest win, but I don't know about the biggest game. Like, a lot, like LSU had more – to me, just where it was in the beginning of the season and for season outlook and recruiting implications to set up stuff for the rest of the way. Like, I thought that was a bigger game, win or lose. Uh, this would be a bigger win in general. But I think if you lose it, I don't think it impacts you quite as much. So I can't say it's the biggest game. So I'm synoning that. Zach? Yeah, I'm synoning it. Um, I think there have been other big games. And um, I definitely agree with Chris. Like, this would be, and you, Brennan, I think this would be the biggest win just because you have dozens of, blue chips making it to campus uh, this weekend, um, multiple five stars. Like it, it'd be huge for recruiting implications, but I don't think this is like a make or break game. I don't think this is like of that importance. Obviously, as you get later in the season, talking about bowl eligibility, I think those become even more important than, than a game like this, where you're going to be favored to lose. Like those Miami Florida ones in the back half of the schedule yeah. will be big. Like Rockery. Just, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you beat your rivals, fans stay happy. I would argue last week was an extremely significant one because it was a great opportunity to steal one in this October slate of three ranked teams, and it was squandered. So, like, you know, it's just tough for me to put that much weight on solely one game ever, um, especially in a situation where it is a long-term rebuild, which we have to remember when this thing began and had a COVID year, it's always been a long-term rebuild. It's not an overnight success story. Would you say this is now a build, not a rebuild? Like it's moved into the build stage? Yeah. The, I was having that conversation with somebody about the O-line. I mean, the O-line is a good example of kind of the program as a whole. It's gotten better. It's not yet great. It is more capable. Uh, but, you know, the depth needs to be better. The young people need to mature into hopefully good players down the stretch. That's such a key. That sort of, to me, mirrors the program as a whole in some ways. But, no, I, I think they're, you know, it's much more sustainable at this point. You don't feel like it's always on a razor's edge, right? I love using the term razor's edge describing football programs. I don't feel like FSU is on the razor's edge and on the verge of slipping into the abyss of nothingness, which I certainly felt last year after Jacksonville state, for example, I don't feel that way anymore. I feel like it's a program that needs to continue to show positive progress overall but I also understand there's going to be missteps and bad moments and disappointments along the way because that's just who and what they are at this point. But I also believe they are trending in a better direction long term. I was speaking to a college coach the other day, not not with Florida State, and they were talking about like that kind of similar talking point, Chris, especially with the trenches. And they're like, whoever is coaching this team in two years, and they, and they said they think it'll probably most likely be Mike, but whoever has it just will inherit a really good nucleus of trench players and i think that's an important like thing to remember that that's kind of a slow burn sometimes even if, but when you have to reestablish the trenches like that that's not a, a that's not a fast flip that that could take 
three, four years, and it's gotten better uh, even with some of the injuries that they've had. Like, imagine if they lost their two starters in the offensive line last year. I mean, they did at times, and we saw what it was. Um, it's it's in a much better spot than it was a year ago and in a markedly better spot than it was two years ago, three years ago, four years ago. It's, it keeps getting better in that regard. It's just not always as fast as you want it to be, and progress isn't always linear. Uh, this comes from Illinois. By or Sinone, the ACC referees will be a talking point post game. Buy, I'm sure they will. Yeah, I'd buy that, um, especially if it's a close game. So they're always, you know, everyone's always going to complain on both sides. Um, <clears throat> I will say, last week's the first time that I can remember that Norvell was was talking about like the refs um, or just calls in general. He wasn't specifically talking about the refs. Um, he did talk about them later in the week. Um, um, pre-Clemson. So, yeah, I, I'd buy that. How about Adam, Adam Fuller was asked about what uh, Josh, Josh Farmer, Farmer did? Yeah. Could do differently on that. Actually, I asked it, I guess, and he kind of smiled. I was, like, I, I, I was like, I'm not trying to get you in trouble. Like, what could you coach that any differently? He just talked about his play, and he just said he's proud of him. Okay. ACC officiating is crap, and it's crap in all sports, and it's because there's nobody over it who gives enough of a, excuse my friend, shit to change mm. it and do a better job and actually reprimand the individuals who are god-awful at doing their job. Are we talking it's about Jeff Flanagan? I'm talking about a lot of them, and I'm talking about them yeah. in multiple sports. It, it's just like, cool, you can file essentially a grievance with the league and you get some clarity, but the person you're filing with is buddies with the guy who he has to talk to. He ain't reprimanding him. He's not making him be better at his job. It, it's crap. It's awful. A lot of officiating in a lot of sports is bad. The ACC kind of is competing for the crown, though, of being the worst. And it, it's just – it hurts the product, hurts the games. For my love, for the love of God, reviews don't need to take 37 freaking minutes and slow games down to four hours. The NFL can get a game over far faster than college football in the ACC. That needs to be fixed. Matt and Skeet. Ask Spires to know, and we get two commitments from this weekend. I will buy that if FSU performs relatively well on the field. Not necessarily I'll buy winning, it, but, but just I'll buy it, but not in the sense where I think they're popping by Sunday. Yeah, um, we say on this weekend I, or from this weekend. Yeah, from it's this a, weekend. Oh, yeah, I'll buy it in the sense of long term. Yeah, easy buy. All right, uh, this is a good follow up. Then Phyllis Goodman, Byers known. FSU lands a commitment from one of DJ Chester or Zachariah Owens this weekend. Or I guess we're jumping ahead to some of the recruiting stuff that we'll talk about, but topical. Go ahead, Zach. I'm going to – we didn't even, like, yeah, talk about this or introduce it. Great great job, Brendan. Um, Zach, I usually have to once give it a head. How about you clear out your throat before you tell me <clears> great <throat> job? Yeah, I got it. Um, so I'm going to say that just because I think – you know, I haven't I haven't caught up with DJ recently, but at last check, his plan was to announce his college commitment um, on January, I believe, fourth. Um, I don't uh, know. It's the, the exact, All American Bowl. Yeah, All American Bowl. It, it, in that San first week of um, and, and he was going to announce his pledge then. And then I just spoke with Zechariah Owens, who I'll introduce right now, um, since Brendan did such a great job at, at uh, introducing this topic. He is a former Clemson commit, four-star offensive lineman. Um, who I reported that North 24 seven reported uh, this morning that he will be on campus at FSU this weekend. Zechariah confirmed to me this morning after um, early reports that, that he uh, was stepping away from his commitment from the Tigers. 
that he indeed is decommitted um, and that FSU is now his number one school. He did also say that he is going to take other visits besides just the FSU one this weekend. So we'll have to see. Um, but but right now I feel good about FSU's chances and and I'll you know I'll let Brendan get a little bit uh, in on this because I know he's a little salty. Flapjack yeah, flipping. Stay tuned. You guys go ahead. You you do the rest of Byers and Owens that's getting a sponsorship. Uh, you go ahead and, and get the little scoop that that allows you guys to get the big old scoops. You go ahead and do it. You do the rest then. If you want to make fun of me? Go ahead. I love when you get in your feelings. <laughs> go ahead. Take take us home. Do the rest Chris of the podcast. Te- Dude, Chris says he loves when I yell at him. I do. I love when Zach gets feisty. I'm not here for somebody that's just going to be a yes, man. I don't want that in my life. I want some pushback. I want some, I want some, like, I don't agree with you. Screw you. I want that in my life. And Zach brings it. Brennan's the opposite. He he loves. I literally, I literally yelled at you the other day, Zach. I yelled at you all the time. You're the opposite in that you like back when, apparently when I was calling you for advice about a job and I told you, Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. I never said that, by the way, but you yes, said you that. I said, thank, thank you, sir. You, you love that. Like, I was super, like, innocent back then. Like, you're weird. I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, Chris, I appreciate that, Chris. And I like the back and forth because I feel like you need that little bit, little bit of fire in you in this industry to work. I'm not sure Brendan has it, but um, let, let's continue on with the pod. Yeah, I don't know if that guy will last. Sucks. <laughs> Because there's like five idiots listening to this podcast that think you guys are serious. They're going to then think that they could be in on the joke later. Whatever. Guys, you're in on the joke. Brenda, calm down, Brenda. (laughs) It's your birthday week. (laughs) You're getting too old for this. You got to keep the heart rate down. I am Spencer Ellis, Biosynome. The attendance this weekend will be greater than 74,000. Bye. Like, I I was told it's pretty close to a sellout yesterday. Um, Sellout's what, 79-ish? Chris? Yeah, it sounds right. I think it's 79 and change these days. Um, most of the tickets that are available, I believe, are some that Clemson returned, and that's just from their allotment. I expect a lot of Clemson fans. They've traveled very well this year. Look at the Wake Forest game, how many they had there, for example. Byer Sinone. This is from Georgia Southern Knoll. Accounting for the pay cut he took during the pandemic. If FSU wins nine games this year, Norvell gets another extension. Bye. I think so. He got a one-year extension last year. It was a decent raise, but that was with some pay cuts in there to kind of even things out. He, I wish I had the full numbers. I'm not going to get into contract stuff because we all know how bad I am at that. But uh, his, his pay annually is not competitive to some other top 20. What And it's just because the market has changed so much since he first signed. Uh, but getting him a long-term, getting him a, to be a little bit more competitive with – other coaches in a similar tier as him. Like, yeah, I, I think, I think that'll happen if they win nine. Heck, I think it might even happen if they win seven or eight. The the current contract with the one year extension runs through twenty six or twenty seven. I think it's twenty six. Yeah, I could I see him getting technically a year extension. I think, I think him being on a five year clock as far as full contract is probably a comfortable window. I don't think you want to get too, and I feel this way in general about a majority of coaches. This isn't a Mike Norvell exclusive type thing. I don't think you want to get into a situation where you're walking up for seven or 10 years at some fairly high rate current day, which obviously will be a much lower rate at end of contract right now. I just don't think that's a necessity. I, I think five years is one where you can walk into any recruits house and say, no matter how long you're at FSU, I'm your coach. I think that's important. And you can also do some financial work within that restructuring. 
by Orsonone. This is from Noel Hoya, and this is the last one. FSU competing NIL-wise for top-level prospects and established ability to be a great portal destination bodes well for our best portal hall yet this year. A buy. Winning will help that, first and foremost. Uh, Hakeem Williams was kind of proof of concept in some ways, the rising spear, which I think they needed a guy who was very easy to point to as a success story with regards to some of that stuff. I think that trend will continue in a positive way. So I'll buy that. Yeah, I think FSU's position themselves position themselves when they go to pursue you know, six, eight, ten portal guys this year to be a destination. I think that's been improving year over year. Jermaine Johnson, Keir Thomas were obviously a huge part of that. Jared versus success as well as some others this year. Johnny Wilson is another example of that. I think that trend continues. Yes. So buy. Yeah. I'm buying as well. Um, obviously, with with Rising Spears' impact in that, along with what Chris said, like Florida State's becoming a destination transfer spot, especially at specific positions like defensive end, um, and you know now linebacker with the success story of, of Tatum Bethune, um, and all over the field, right? Like at receiver, they they've absolutely you know transformed that room through the portal. Um, so I expect them to do similar at at, at various positions and. And I think, um, you know, the proof of concept along with, uh, you know, the establishment of, of Rising Spear helps them do that. Nice squeaky chair there, Chris. Thanks for that. All right, that'll end this rousing edition of Buyer's Known. Thank you to the Turner Group for making this possible. We're going to take a quick commercial break on the way back. I will introduce some names for recruiting for you guys, and then we will do a prediction that Chris has already gotten to. Stop squeaking the chair, for God's sake. And then we will be right back. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Welcome back to On the Bench. Let's get into it. This is going to be a massive recruiting weekend. For Oh, my God, Chris, I will kill you with that chair. I will go drive over to your house, and I will beat your ass with that chair. What chair? So the Seminoles have a slew of important recruits coming this weekend, uh, 2023, 2024. This is probably going to be the marquee game for recruit attendance, uh, even more so than the Florida one, which is kind of initially the plan. But I think they're trying to shift that a little bit because of Thanksgiving travel and then trying to get guys going to official visits later in December rather than in late November. So anyways, that sets up for a ton for this primetime contest against the top five team in Clemson. It's going to be a beautiful weekend in Tallahassee weather-wise. There's a lot going for Florida State here, so it's materializing well. 
and it's materializing well with a hell of a list. We've confirmed a lot of names at Knowles 24-7. Zach, Chris, and Dane have done a great job hustling to get those names confirmed. Big ones. Before we get into the trench players on the offensive line, which I think might be the headline, just because it's a couple days old, but man, this is, we're talking about Origin Spear and just like FSU being competitive with things. Let's talk about Keltrick Folk, Zach, and the ability to shut down a potential threat and, and get the guy, get the commitment back on campus to Florida State instead of going elsewhere. Yeah, it's kind of a little flex move, right? Um, early in the week. I mean, it's kind of crazy. So Keldrick told me, I believe on Sunday when I was reaching out, just seeing, you know, guys' plans for, for this coming weekend, he told me it was going to be at FSU. And then I guess he told, um, like, Tennessee reporters on Monday that he was taking an official visit to Knoxville for their game, their home game against Alabama. Um, college game day is going to be there. It's going to be a crazy environment. Um, and, and he told me, or he told them that he was going to use an official there. And then you, you move to Tuesday, and uh, Florida State has now got him to, to make it back uh, on campus for this upcoming weekend for their home game against Clemson for an unofficial visit. Um, he does have that one official visit left in, in his pocket to use. He used four in June before committing to FSU. Um, as you guys all know, uh, at the early portion of July, Falk on the road. Um, but Falk will be on the road to Florida State this weekend, which is a huge deal. Um, and, and I'll just segue that into kind of the next biggest news of the week What, what was Rod Kearney. Um, we reported earlier this week that he's going to be using an official visit to Florida State this weekend. Um, he was there was some question that some people thought he'd show up to UF for their home game against LSU. Um, but, but instead FSU will elect to use their official visit with Rod Kearney, um, for this upcoming week weekend against Clemson. Um, what do you think of that move, Chris? Go Tigers. <laughs> Sorry. Um, what? Go Tigers. <laughs> Sorry. You mentioned Florida LSU, you know, I was like, I want LSU to win for strength of schedule, but then I remember we play them both, but whatever, go Tigers. Um, no, I mean, the Kearney thing, it, it's interesting. I don't think it puts it to bed. Florida's going to keep doing what they're trying to do there. FSU's going to stay involved. I'll put it this way. I think FSU would like to have to get into class, but I don't think they're going to solely put all of their chips on him. They're going to recruit offensive linemen, which I think is a nice segue to a couple other guys that Zach has talked about. DJ Chester, Zachariah Owens, for example. Those are the kind of dudes that if you can assemble in the class, along with Rod Kearney, you're doing great. Without Rod Kearney, you're still doing pretty good. So, Who's Zachariah Owens and DJ Chester? Who are those guys? We talked like we about this during Byers and Own. Yeah. Your great segment. Um, now, yeah, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about them. DJ Chester is a longtime target for FSU. He'll be back on campus for an unofficial. Um, I, you know, I like where FSU sits in that recruitment right now. I know people uh, like his twenty-four-seven sports crystal ball is on LSU right now, um, but but I'm like an FSU. I'm not going to put in a crystal ball because I don't think he decides until January. Um, but I expect. And you're on a crystal ball strike, Zach. Yeah, sabbatical. Sabbatical. Um, he's going to uh, announce in January, and I think he's going to use his last official visit on FSU in the month of December because I believe he's going to use his fourth one on Michigan coming up, um, along with maybe another school that I'm missing. Um, I know he used one to Ole Miss, and then he used uh, LSU and Auburn over the summer, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then Zechariah Owens, we talked about him. Former Clemson commit. Now going to make it to campus this weekend. Has FSU as his number one school. 
Um, it's a huge deal. Um, he's a massive kid. I mean, we saw him in person back when he visited. I think he was like, he's like one of the most honest kids we met um, throughout the recruiting process. He told us back on spring visit that FSU was number two for him behind Clemson at the time. That was back in April. And, it, you know, he, he took, I believe, an official visit the first week of June to Clemson um, and then committed, you know, shortly thereafter. Um, so he still, ha- you know, he hasn't used an official to FSU or any other school yet. Um, Penn State was a school involved with him, Michigan, uh, South Carolina. There, there are a few others, um, but those are the schools that I would expect to try and get him on campus over the next few weeks or months uh, leading up to early signing day. So in total, we're expecting about 10 to a dozen 2023 commitments for Florida State to be at the game. Uh, Damari Brown is another official visitor who's expected in. He's a defensive back from South Florida, talented kid. That's been locked in for a good while for FSU. A few other names of note I'll do lightning round. Michael Mitchell, Jordan Louie, those are two running backs committed elsewhere. Mitchell's committed to Utah, obviously been a regular at FSU. He's from Middleburg. Jordan Louie's a Peach State kid, a Georgia kid from up near Atlanta. He's a West Virginia commitment. He's coming in. He's mutually interested in FSU and Clemson. Neither has offered, to my knowledge. Both are evaluating. Um, you know, from the commitment group for FSU, Blake Nicholson's making that cross-country jaunt pretty impressive. And not a linebacker coming in that's of note, in addition to Nicholson and DeMarco Ward, is C.J. Turner, Arkansas kid. I think Dane's one leading the charge there as far as our coverage of him. He's a Colorado commit. He's a kid that we've stayed in contact with. FSU and him have kind of had a, what's the best way of describing it, a slow burn with a recruitment where they've kind of just maintained contact for months on end. Uh, Turner was at the LSU game. Did he make it to that one? I can't remember. I know at one point he was considering it. I can't remember. I if he don't think did. he ended up making it. Okay. Um, Ruben Baines, obviously a name of note. As I stare at Zach's lovely frozen face. Zach is frozen, right? Just making His sure face is. Was... His audio isn't, but his That's face is. That's all that is. matters. Ruben Bain. Uh, he got an Auburn crystal ball yesterday. I'm going to leave that one alone. Um I still think that's Alabama, Miami, and then the next group of four. He named a top six yesterday. FSU is part of it. FSU's in there. Randy Shannon's done a good job. Ruben Bain's very, very talented defensive lineman from Miami Central. He's got family ties to Miami. Bama loves him, but Bama kind of picks at the end who they want. That's kind of where Bain falls into that. FSU's going to keep working there. This is an unofficial. I expect FSU to get him back for an official, most likely in December as of right now. Wilkie Denod, familiar name from the summer months, committed to Auburn. FSU and him have maintained contact. He's expected in. Uh, as far as the 23 class, I think those are some of the more significant names. Obviously, we have an extensive list on the site. That list will continue to grow between now and Saturday, so stay tuned. Also, more yeah, surprises coming. There are surprises. Well, are they surprises if we're saying they're surprises? You guys might be surprised. Surprises for the, the We have to see if things develop. I mean, it's not everything's guaranteed. But well, if you want to know and you don't want to wait until Monday's podcast to know, you want to be like in on the news and getting updated stuff like right away and being part of the website that gets you this stuff immediately, most247.com is where it's at, guys. It's kind of fun over there. In the first month, it's only a buck. One dollar. Yep. And if you're not a subscriber, if you go to the front page, you go up to the right corner where it says quick links. It says first month of Knowles 247 for $1. You can click that. You can get right to it. Also, it probably has a splash if you're not a subscriber, a splash on the front page that allows you to quickly subscribe. So it's well worth it. I actually don't know of us running a promo anytime soon. Most of the podcasts just cheered for that. Um, but, you know, we try to take care of you. We try to make sure we deliver a great value for the money you spend on our website. Also, 
uh, if you go to Knowles 24 Center right now, you get a banner of Sylvester Stallone in Tulsa King. You guys want to talk about Clemson? Show. All righty, so Dane and Trey will do the wildly popular Null Thy Enemy. I think I got it right this time. Podcast. I looked for I looked to the I looked to the Skype for confirmation and Zach's face is still frozen. So actually? Yeah, it is. Oh my god. It's been the same. It's quite a uh oh he changed oh, it. He changed it. Is that Chris Parson? Yeah, it is. It's back. It's back, baby. All right, so Clemson, uh, so kind of good at football. Yeah, Clemson, Clemson, very good. They're all right. Number four, number five, depending on what poll you use. Uh, the Tigers opened it. I don't know the whole live thing. There's so many different lines now. It's tough for me to like to know what the spread is. Um, but three and a half is about where Clemson has as, as a favorite. So not a huge, not a huge favorite. Uh, I'm curious to see. I guess what, why Vegas thinks that because. I, my prediction, I'm just going to jump right ahead to the prediction. I got Clemson 30, FSU 20. Damn it, Brendan. I hate us. We're way too similar in way too many ways. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go a little bit closer to be a little bit different. I think FSU is going to play their backsides off. I think they're going to really bring it. I think FSU showed last year that they're not intimidated by Clemson, what they did when they went into Death Valley up there. And how they played. I know it's not the original Death Valley. Don't yell at me. Um, no Tigers. I think I'll go 31-24 Clemson. I I think the Tigers, I think Clemson's a very good ball club. I think Clemson's a better version of themselves this year than they were a year ago. They've also gotten very healthy up front on defense. You know, offensively, Will Shipley's a heck of a player. They score rushing touchdowns. It's what they do. They've scored a rushing touchdown in some absurd amount of games outside of one over the last, like, six years now or five years. Um they're a really, really good football team. If you're going to beat Clemson, you have to close halves well and you have to open halves well, especially that middle eight. Clemson is so good at that middle eight traditionally. They're the second best team in the country over the last like seven years in the middle eight. The last four minutes of the first half, the first four minutes of the second half, their point differential this year is like four touchdowns over six games in regards to that stretch. Uh, they're just, that's that's an area where football games are won and lost the last couple of weeks for FSU. They put themselves in a bad position out of the locker room. You know, they put themselves way behind Wake Forest, and they allowed NC State to truly get back in that game out of the locker room with that first drive. They can't have a repeat for three weeks in a row in that regard. I I, I do think FSU really is going to play well on Saturday. Though. I think the fact that they haven't played particularly well the last two weeks, I think we see a little bit of bounce back there. I think the competitive juices are flying. I think that crowd's going to be electric, and it's going to be a great, great atmosphere. So I think the team will get after it. I just think Clemson's a better football team at the end of the day. I, I'm with you there, Chris. When I have a 10-point game, like I don't think FSU is blown out or Clemson controls it. I think it's just maybe a thing where FSU can't quite seal the deal towards the end. Clemson can pull away a little bit. But I do anticipate Florida State's been a good week of practice. I don't think this team's going to be intimidated. Let's talk about like what a Florida State upset would would look like, an upset win. Because if if you are beating Clemson, that would be categorized as, as an upset victory just based on, on the point spread there. Uh, Chris mentioned the middle eight. I think that's a big part of it. Finishing in the red zone, guys. Like, this has been a bugaboo for this team this season. It's something they're really good at the last two years under the staff. And part of that is field goal kicking. We'll see if you kind of trust that a little bit more now after Ryan Fitzgerald made a 47-yarder. 
in the, in the NC State game. And has kicked the ball pretty well in three weeks in a row now in practice. I don't think we've seen him miss a live field goal in practice other than the block that Shaheen Brown got yesterday. But FSU's red zone offense isn't very good. And conversely, uh, Clemson's red zone defense, I'm pulling it up here, but I think that's – I think they're like top five in the country in that. Could be wrong. Maybe their red zone offense is really good. I lied. They're 66. The red zone offense is what's really good. Zach, what do you yeah, think? They're what perfect you, in the red zone. What they do you have think the FSU? Shut up, Chris. Sorry. Zach, Zach, what do you think an FSU upset would look like? I think it comes down to the trenches, right? Um, Florida State's offensive line is going to be facing their toughest tests of the season with Clemson's defensive line, which just so magically is healthy for the first time in forever against Florida State. Um, I mean, they just have, like, it's a ridiculously talented defensive line. Um, I think Florida State's probably going to have to scheme against that, um, away from that, to, to try and, you know, hide that weakness, um, which is FSU's offensive line in this matchup. I mean, that's just undoubtedly, like, like FSU's offensive line can play out of their minds, and I still think Clemson's going to create havoc um, with their defensive front. So um, I think, yeah, you, you need to, to at least um, stop some of that pressure uh, for, for most of the game. And then I think your, your skill players need to step up. Um, they did not step up against NC State, uh, but you need Johnny Wilson to have a big game um, and, and help Jordan Travis out. You need the running backs um, whatever combination that looks like, you need them to to, to step up and, and provide a, a balanced attack, like Chris said. If this becomes too one-dimensional, which is what Clemson's trying to do to, to this offense, they're trying to create, um, you know, make FSU be one-dimensional so they can kind of hone in and, and just uh, fire away. Um, if they can be two-dimensional in this game, I think they have a shot. Um, this offense looks good when it's clicking, and um, I think that'll be the key. On defense, um, Getting DJ to the ground, that's a that's a big, you know, he's a, he's a huge human being. He's 6'5", what, 240 pounds or something like that. Like, he, he's massive. So um, when you, you are wrapping him up, you got to get him to the ground. Um, that'll be a major point of emphasis. The, the defensive lineman that we've interviewed, I think it was Jared Burst this week, um, you know, mentioned that as a huge point of emphasis for them this week uh, in practice. So definitely think that that's something they need to, to accomplish. And then... I think another underrated matchup is just, you know, FSU's defensive backs versus Clemson's receivers who have had great moments this year and have also struggled a little bit with, with some drops of their own. So I think FSU's defensive backs will have to step up um, and, and make some plays. And, and the defense as a whole will need to create turnovers, which they failed to do in a, you know, consistent way um, over the past few weeks. Take so F- FSU is a run first team, has been all year. Even though they pass the ball much better, they are still a run-based offense at the end of the day. FSU has 32 explosive runs this season, which is 12th most in the FBS. David Hill wrote about this a little bit on Twitter earlier in the week, and uh, you know we've talked about this as the season progressed. But in the context of Clemson, Knowles have 20 designed runs longer than the longest Clemson has allowed all year. So 20 of 32 explosives from FSU are longer than anything Clemson's allowed. Clemson on the year has only allowed four explosive runs all season, fewest in the country. Longest it's a 25-yard scramble by Sam Hartman in that Wake Forest game, which is by far Clemson's worst defensive performance. Also, as we can attest, Wake Forest is pretty good offense. But yeah, outside of the 25-yard run, a 12, a 14, and a 15-yard run. Two of those came against Furman, one in garbage time. So yeah, their their run defense is staunch. It's very good. The most run yards they've allowed in a game is 125 on the year. Uh, 
you know, FSC is going to have to play the long game with the run game and hope maybe they can bust one or pop one. I also think utilizing the backs out of the backfield as receiver types is maybe an area where it gets interesting. FSU did that against them last year, obviously. You know, Toe Philly hitting a big play, for example, is an example of that. You're going to have to produce a few of those, but you also just have to stay moving forward. Even if it's a three and out, you need to get eight yards, move forward, change field position by hopefully 10 yards with a solid punt. That's sort of the life you're going to have to live. You're going to have to play the long game and play really hard. It's not a game where I think you can win it in a quarter. I think it's a game where you have to win it over 60 minutes, get it down to those final couple drives in the fourth quarter, and hope you're the better team in that moment and come away with a victory. I think if FSC is going to do it, that's the type of game they have to play. I don't think they're a team can jump out big on, barring you know them having a horrendous day, which they don't have many of. All right, so let's get two predictions. I gave mine already, 30, Clemson, FSU 20. I can see FSU certainly hanging in there if you're able to start off well, uh, play with some house money. You got a chance. Like, I, this isn't this isn't insurmountable by any stretch. You can definitely win this game. I just think Clemson's a, a better team right now, so I will go with what I think is a, a better team. Uh, Zach, what do you have? I'm going to go Clemson 30. Florida State, 21. I'm going 31-24, Clemson. Uh, FSU pulls the upset if they play an ultra-clean game, very efficient offensive game as far as positive plays, and they win the turnover battle. All extremely tough tasks against an extremely talented Clemson defense. All right, anything else before we get out of here, fellas? I think you guys should uh, both say something nice about me before we get out of here. My <laughs> feelings are hurt. I'm a little down in the dumps right now. Oh, oh, I love you, buddy. You brought back the tank. Thank the tank. All right. Well, neither of those. I appreciate that, Chris. That was nice of you. I don't know if saying you love me is a nice thing about me, but I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate the sentiment. For Chris Nee, Zach Lawson, I'm Brendan Sinone. Uh, make sure to check out Know Thy Enemy tomorrow. That's Friday with Dane Draper, Trey Roland, wildly popular instant reaction pod on Saturday after the game with Coach AB, Kev, uh, potentially Trey. Uh, yeah, we got a lot coming up in the next few days here. So thank you everyone for listening to On the Bench. We'll talk to you guys next time. Stick in the landing. your fantasy football league it starts right now the offseason is the best time to get ahead of the competition we'll help you win your league on the fantasy football today podcast part of cbs sports podcast network fantasy football today has three episodes every week following the latest news giving you early rankings early sleepers breakouts and busts so if you're a dedicated fantasy football manager check out the most dedicated podcast fantasy football today Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found.